This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Here comes Sacramento. Three on one. Bagley the step. Bagley with the dunk. And you can put it in the book and send it to the left. There it is. Buddy Hill alone at the top. Of the Kings record book. Oh, I like to see Fox Force 5 in the open court. Fox into the lane. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like Kings basketball. To another episode of the King's Pulse podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Nunez, and I have my regular co host with me today. That is Rich Ivanowski. How you doing today, Rich? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm excited to get this episode started. I'm looking forward to what we have to talk about. And the first thing on our list would be the all rookie team and the all defensive team that was just announced. And I think that we can start with the all rookie team. It was the one that was announced first, and the top five draft picks all made the all-rookie team, the first team that is the first time in the lottery era that that has happened. And we've talked about a couple times that we think all five of the teams that picked first are going to end up happy with their pick. And this is a, a first sign of that. Yeah, absolutely. I think 1985 was the last time that this happened. And yeah, I think that these five players, Doncic, Young, Aiton, Jackson Jr., and Bagley, they would have been my votes as well. Yeah, totally. And then the second team is where it starts to get a little bit more interesting, I feel like. Right. So shy, it was Shy, uh, SGA, Sexton, Shemet, Mitchell Robinson, and Kevin Herter. Yes. So I would have considered – I mean, okay, so do you feel like Jaron Jackson, having missed that many games, is still first team? So I think that there's definitely an argument you can make for Shy and also for Sexton. Yeah. Uh, um, and you can kind of see it with the, the total points that were spread out in the vote. Um, Doncic and Young were unanimous first teamers. Uh, and then Aiton was pretty darn close to unanimous. Then you got Jackson and Bagley at around 150 uh, 159 for Jackson, 156 for Bagley. Very close there. Um, and then a little bit of a fall off. Uh, SGA and Sexton each had 130 points. So 138 for Shy, 132 for Sexton. And then it's a big fall off again. So that's kind of, there's definitely a clear top seven here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, you make a good point with Jackson. He started out really strong, but. I mean, obviously being shut down and then he was kind of, he just really wasn't played at, in the fourth quarter of most games, almost at all. Uh, he wasn't used in a lot of, you know, crucial times where I feel like SGA, obviously, you know, it's a regular season award, but he was in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. There's value to that. Sexton was really the engine 
of the Cavaliers this entire season. So there's value to that. I could I could see it going either way there. Yeah, a few others that interested me were Mikhail Bridges and then on a lesser level, Josh Kogi also. Um, I think Trier deserves some recognition, but I don't have too much of a problem with it. I mean, I think Herder, Shamit, and Robinson, because like you said, after it really falls off, those top seven, that those are all deserving, especially Shamit I would put in there. And Robinson, I think that he did really well numbers-wise, but it also was on the worst team in the league. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I have a little bit of Celtics bias in me, obviously, but if you gave um, Robert Williams the amount of opportunity Mitchell Robinson, I'd see it being pretty close to the same level. You know, there's just something about having more opportunity. Yeah, well, that's the problem with these awards or these uh, these team awards and the awards in general. They're going to be based on totals, like stat totals in a lot of ways. Yeah. We, we th- you know, and per, per game as well, but... Never does it come into question like per 36 or per 100 possessions. It's not about efficiency in a small amount of time. It's like the, it's, and that's really what value is when you're talking. A lot of these are what players were most valuable, what provided the most value, who provided the most value. And it's really hard to make an argument for a guy that only played 600 minutes, for uh, for example. I think that's what Robert Williams was around. Yeah, which there's no way. I don't think he should have been in the debate. I just feel like the level of talent Mitchell Robinson is is overhyped. I honestly feel like. But well, let's let's talk about Harry Giles in that okay. through that exact lens because he did receive two second team votes, and I'm actually writing a piece about this for Sacktown Royalty right now. But if you were to look at it on a per thirty six basis. There's a really interesting case to be made that Giles was one of the more impressive rookies. Um, I sorted out all the rookies uh, or all the yeah all the rookie eligible players from this year and made a cutoff at 500 minutes played. Okay. Which yeah, which left me with 36 rookies. Out of those 36, um, so then I I took all those 36 players their their stats by a per 36 minute basis. And Giles was seventh in points, fifth in field goal percentage, fifth in rebounds, thirteenth in assists, ninth in steals, twelfth in blocks. Wow! I mean, that's if you're just talking about. I mean, per thirty six is a little bit of a weird measurement because if you play less, you're not going to be running out of energy. Giles is playing against second units and things like that, but those numbers, that's second team all rookie. Yeah, and it's interesting the points because. A lot of these votes tend to be slanted towards scores. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the points one is really interesting to me because he was seventh and it was behind the five guys that made the first team and Colin Sexton. Okay. Wow. See, yeah, I wouldn't expect that. Yeah. I mean, he did, like you, like you said, he played sparingly and when he was in the game, the Kings really went to him and let him take as many shots as he wanted, really. So, you know, it is skewed a little bit, uh, but again, that fifth in field goal percentage, that's not based on uh, per 36, so the efficiency yeah. was there to a degree. The boards were surprising to me. That's really nice. Um, yeah, so, that I mean, it's interesting. I think that if Giles, if his availability and his durability were a little bit better, um, you know, and, and like, like we're saying with uh, the difference between Robinson or Williams, for example, 
opportunity and availability really plays a big factor into these awards. Yeah, it definitely does. And, you know, I mean, this award, honestly, is pretty meaningless in a way. Of course, you like to be on there. But in the end, Harry Giles, I'm going to say going to be a top 10 guy of this draft class. Sure. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's tough because I guess he was drafted not in this draft class, but he's in this rookie class. So I I don't know, but it's interesting. He he got more votes than Mo Bamba. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, Bamba had a very down rookie year and injuries, but you know, yeah, so I think that uh, the next one that we're looking at here is the all defensive team. And this one is a lot more debatable. So going through the first team, For the two guards, we have Eric Bledsoe and Marcus Smart. The forwards, we have Rudy Gobert, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Paul George is in there as well. Um, For the second all-defensive team, the two guards are Drew Holiday and Klay Thompson. The forwards are Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, and the center position is Joel Embiid. What What were your first impressions when you saw this? Um, I, I like this. I think it is pretty fair. I think it's really interesting how many votes Gobert and Paul George and Giannis got because I think that's kind of the three man race for defensive player of the year. Yeah. And they were all essentially unanimous votes. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I think you can make an argument for any one of them. Um, Gobert got the most votes overall and by one, by a single point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about this. And interestingly, uh, looking at the rest of players receiving votes, if there was a third team, there's an interesting group here. It would have been, if I'm not mistaken, it would have been Derek White, Patrick Beverly, Danny Green, PJ Tucker, and Pascal Siakam. Yeah, I believe, well, is it two guards and three forwards? Or, because it seems like it's two guards, two forwards, and a center. It does seem like that. That's how I have it listed too. But then when they just do other players receiving votes, they don't have a center category. They only have guards and forwards. Yeah. And guys like uh, Horford and Anthony Davis are in the forward category, so. Yeah. Interesting. But... In regards to Kings, De'Aaron Fox got one second team vote. That just seems ridiculous. I mean, Steph Curry has a first team vote. James Harden has two two first team votes. Ridiculous. That's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Paul, not the same defender. He's good. But a first team vote and five second teams. I'm not the same level of Russell Westbrook defense as a lot of people. Uh, two first team, five second, and then the rest makes sense. But I mean, he's on the same level as guys like Kyrie Irving, Damian Lillard, Ricky Rubio, Gary Harris. Like these are good defenders, but De'Aaron Fox is another level. Terrence Ferguson. <laughs> yeah. What the? Come on, Mike Conley. The most offensive one is definitely James Harden. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, it, that's bad. And I'm definitely Steph and Kyrie are in there as well. I, it's just because James Harden, like, people found out this low post defense stat and just run with it like crazy. 
Yeah, I can't get there. I mean, he doesn't even try to play defense, so I'm not going to give him an award for that. But I will say, I there was no room for for Fox on this second team. I I don't. I can't justify putting him over Holiday or Thompson. I feel like. No, certainly not. Um, But it's a augury of things to come. Yeah, you know, so looking at these top three guards, which I feel like he should be closer, Danny Green, Patrick Beverly, Derek White, and we'll throw Jimmy Butler in there also. Where do you feel like Fox ranks among those? Among those specific players, yeah. I I think that, you know, he is where he is for a reason right now. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think that's fine. Um, you can start to make an argument for Jimmy against Jimmy Butler in that scenario, but I, I still don't think that Fox is there yet. And a lot of, you know, Jimmy's more up and down. When he turns it on, he's a, he's a better defender still. And yeah. when he's kind of conserving himself to play uh, offense, uh, you know, and carry a team like that, you know, it's okay that he takes a little bit of time off. But, yeah, I have no doubt that one – second team defensive uh all defensive team uh vote will be the least least amount of votes that fox receives throughout the prime of his career agreed are you currently paying off student debt interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape well on the talk money with mesh lakani podcast mesh will follow paper trails chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. There was news today, uh, yesterday actually, of Jimmy's teammate, Tobias Harris, and some potential suitors for him. And the article did say that, obviously, Philadelphia is looking to keep both Tobias and Jimmy, offer them five years, $188 million contracts. But there were other teams mentioned for Tobias as well, and one of them happened to be the Sacramento Kings. And we have touched on this before, Rich. Yeah, absolutely. Jin's of the athletic uh, talked about this with you a couple weeks back when he was on the show. And he mentioned that Vlade likes Tobias Harris. So it shouldn't come as a huge surprise. And I also think that there's no reason that the Kings would not be interested. He fits what the Kings need perfectly as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I saw Tim Maxwell put out a post of him dreaming a little bit about the three point percentages of what that starting lineup would look like. And that puts Bagley in the five spot that we've liked before. But I believe that it's it made out for three or four guys all shooting above 40% from deep. I mean, the spacing would be amazing. Tobias isn't a high usage guy. I think that he, he can be, but he's also can just get his points in the rotation, in the flow of the offense. I mean, okay, but talking money, four years, $141 million, Are you you're comfortable with that amount? I'm very comfortable with that okay. amount. I think that he's um, a max player. I think he's getting a max contract anywhere. So this is one of those rare scenarios where the Kings can't overpay um, as far as I'm concerned. And yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a very good player. He is a border borderline, you know, top like a, like one B option on a team. I'm not sure. 
I don't think he could yeah. be the best player on a team that was really a contender, but he can absolutely be, you know, a part of a big three or part of, you know, part of a team that can compete. Um, we've obviously seen it this year. He was a part of a very good Clippers team that interestingly got better without him, it felt like, but uh, that doesn't feel like a knock on him so much as uh, a, uh, uh, you know, an example of Doc Rivers and the Clippers front office, the way that they coach, the way that they build the team, their roster construction. So, and a compliment to the other players for being able to step up and do it. Yeah, definitely. And Tobias Harris is only 26 years old, which is crazy. It feels like he's been around the league on so many different teams. And I agree with you. I'm all for giving him the max. I think that it's a really nice fit here. He's one of the few guys that I feel like are actually obtainable targets that I'm good with throwing the max money at. Yeah, and like we said, it would push Bagley to the five, which is just the only thing I've ever wanted in life. Yeah. So I would, I mean, that is so ideal. Barnes is, uh, you know, I've mentioned, I think he's a, not a great rebounder. Um, not good enough to put a four next to Bagley that there's not enough rebounding there. But if you put Barnes at the three, Harris at the four, who is a better rebounder, Bagley at the five, that will solve some of those issues. And we are not going to be a strong defensive team if that's our lineup, but the Kings will be a very, very, very powerful offensive team. That's And, you know, I've written before a couple of times about how I really feel strong Warriors vibes from the way that this team seems to be built. And you watched a lot of Warriors growing up in the Bay Area like I did, so maybe you can tell me if I'm off base here. But I really think that Toby Harris could be that Iguodala edition um, that takes a group of young players that were drafted, uh, you know, kind of homegrown essentially, takes them to that next level. And if you'll remember, the the Warriors were fun and offensively high powered before they were great and had a good defense. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because I feel like Iguodala is almost more of a glue guy that he makes everything work rather than filling into it. So Tobias feels a little different, like the well-roundedness of Iggy of being able to run a second unit, which actually I will say I'm very comfortable with Tobias running a pick and roll and running an offense. We've seen that, but it's the defense. Like Iguodala is one of the most intelligent defenders in the league. And I feel like that was a very big part of it. So I don't quite sing see it having the same effect but I understand what you're getting at where it would be a very big addition in the first step of taking that and getting to the next level right and I want to be clear I'm not saying that they would be as good as the Warriors and that they would suddenly be a dynasty I'm saying that the blueprint it would follow for me um okay that it feels like they're on the same track and um I'll go. I'll go over this real quickly, but you know, Fox and Buddy drafted um, in the top ten. Got a pair of guards that uh, shoot pretty well. One of them very well. Drafted in the top ten, young guys. You've got Harrison Barnes is an obvious uh, <laughs> parallel there, um, and then you've got uh, you know some big men that can do some some things. I, I you know I don't think that 
we have a Draymond on this team, and that's you know maybe that's the high hopes for Giles, but just just the fact that the way that the players come into the the league at a certain time at a certain age on rookie scale deals allow them to grow together, allow them to be extended together, and um, there's one slot for a big contract for this Kings team. It's probably going to need to be signed this offseason. They could kick it down the road to next offseason, but after that point, it will be kind of times up and the extensions will start rolling in. So you're right that Tobias, Tobias Harris is not a similar player to Andre Iguodala, but in the way that Iggy brought what the Warriors needed to that team, I think that Tobias Harris would bring what the Kings need to this team, which is a real power forward. Yeah, that's fair. I, I just, hmm. I, I think that I would, what would really piece this whole team together for me would be a really quality defender as well that was smart in that way. Like, I almost feel like Al Horford, if I, I he's a little bit on the older side, but more so someone like that would fit more perfectly. Fair enough. But, okay, so say that we landed Tobias, there needs to be a backup center that can rim protect a little bit more, right? And also just having someone available for that position at times. Are you going to, to Boban right now? Oh, yeah, why not, right? We have to keep them together. We must keep them together. <laughs> there we go. I would love that. I mean, the Kings, I think, can make almost $40 million in cap space appear if they need to. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can't really imagine a better way to, I, I, in, in my small minded, my biased <laughs> mind, the best possible thing that could happen this off season is we sign Boban and Tobias Harris and that's it. Yeah, that's, that's fine with me. And then give me some sort of backup wing on, on a super small minimum contract, something like that. But but speaking of potential free agent for this team, there's a lot of the same names you hear over and over. And you and I put together a list of some lesser heard names. I think we have about 20 each. I put a bit more because I figured some of ours would overlap. And do you want to go position by position maybe? Just had to outdo me. I thought me bringing <laughs> 20 names to the table would be a lot. But... uh so the way that I have mine listed is um, by free agent type. So I have all the unrestricted guys, and then I have uh, RFAs, and then some guys with non-guarantees. So I can pick and choose, but it... Uh, let's just go random order. Yeah, let's just go grab bag here. Okay, go ahead if you want to start. Okay, that sounds good. And yeah, again, these are sleepers, so... None of them are going to, you know, any Kings fan listening at home, that's, you know, they're not going to be like, oh, damn, I'm so excited. This is a guy, you know, he's going to come in and change the team. But like you said, um, you know, there's going to need to be some guys brought on at near minimums or um, just, you know, your minor. There's going to be, there's a room MLE that the Kings have up to 4 million. So there's going to be, you're going to want pieces, guys that, can be at the end of the bench or can work their way towards the end of the rotation. Anyone that that I feel like is 
would help at like 8 to 12 to 16 minutes a game, I'm going to put on here. And I'll also say, maybe to, to help frame this, I think the Kings will have a lot of space at the end of their roster this summer. Um, just looking at their cap sheet, the only guys that I am convinced will be on this team next year are Barnes, Bogey, Bagley, Bielitsa, Fox, Heald, and Giles. Yeah. Uh, which is seven. And then there's guys that I'm hopeful about. I would like Yogi to return. I would like Brew, uh, Corey Brewer to return. Even then, there's probably six guys that will need to be added. Maybe Frank is kept. Maybe Swanigan is kept. You know, so there's, there's some fluidity there, but there's also not a super high chance that picks 40, 47, and 60 all make the roster. So there's going to be some, some room to, to sign some guys and some of them, and they can't all be Tobias Harris's. So that's where I came from with this list. Yeah, I'm pretty much the same with you. I think I have some guys that might be upward of 15 minutes a little bit, but I just tried to look through the list and pick some names that I don't hear uh, thrown around very often for the Kings. And it's not me advocating for them at all. It's just names that I don't hear pretty much. Right. Yeah. Same for me. I tried to keep anyone that I've ever mentioned, um, on this podcast or elsewhere off the list, but, um, I will go, let's just alternate. I'll throw one out and you can give me a reaction and, and you, then you throw one out and I'll give you my reaction. So Damari Carroll is my guy. My first guy here. I like that one. I think that he's a decent three and D guy and a veteran as well. I wouldn't mind him in that backup forward position. Yeah, he's unrestricted and he can shoot a little bit. He's definitely older, but, uh, you know, that players of that position, players that can play small forward are going to be really rare, um, this summer. So, so he's a guy that I like. Um, <laughs> Lance Stevenson. Why are you like, the, why are you the way that you are, Brendan? <laughs> Just saying, I don't hear him mentioned. Okay, Michael Beasley. <laughs> what are we doing right now? No, I don't want him. I don't want him. You're right, though. I don't hear that one. It's a good one. Um, well, hold I mean, on. What's your, what's your what is the role for Stevenson? You want him just to come in and play a little two three? Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I don't want him. Don't get me wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, don't get me wrong. I just feel like these are names that like, you know, you know that one was a stretch. It felt fun to start with that one. Okay. So don't worry. They're not all Lance Stevenson's. You got me. You got me riled up. Now um, I have pressure on my next pick. How about, okay, so this is a guy who is not very special, but he can do some things. Um, we talk a lot about Brooke Lopez. How about, his, how about his brother, Robin Lopez? I have that on my list too. I like that if we're talking the same situation that we were with Tobias, where we need a backup center as well. I wouldn't want him being our starting rotation, but I'm not going to be terribly upset if he is, I guess, just in limited minutes. I actually really like the idea of Robin Lopez, if we're yeah. striking out on others. Just to soak up minutes, right? Like, yeah. just a guy that can get boards and can comfortably play a traditional center role. If, if say, we do add someone like Tobias and then Bagley can't play 36 minutes at center, so you got to find just a body... Um, yeah, I would not be opposed. So like if there, if the question was, do we let Kufos walk and bring in Lopez? I, I would say yes to that for oh, sure. Yeah. Totally fine with that. 
Uh, next one I got for you might be a little bit more money than some of these other ones, but Tabocephalosha. It's interesting. I like that. Yeah, his three-point shooting has been surprising at times um, in a good way. And I like his defense. I think that I think that there's potential. You know, I feel like this backup wing position is where we're going to spend probably the smallest amount, I would assume. Just in as, as far as yearly salary? Yeah, in regards to thinking that we need a backup point guard, a center that can eat up a decent amount of minutes is likely what I'm thinking is going to happen, and then that backup wing. Yeah, I think that anyone who can defend the perimeter um, will be a welcome addition to this team, and yeah, I think I think Cephalosha can do that. Yeah. Now I got... This one actually really intrigues me. Um, I've never heard him brought up, and I think he would be a great replacement for Willie Cauley-Stein. Does a lot of the same things as far as the good things that Willie does without as much of the bad stuff. Can this I guess? Is, yeah, please. Is it one of the Warrior guys? Is it Jordan Bell? It is not, although I do have him on my list. Okay. It is Dwight Powell. Interesting. I have that one on here also, and I like that he spaces a little bit, and it does... I almost think that it could put Bagley at that five in the same way where he can, uh, I don't know. It, it's two forwards more so rather than a traditional center fully. And sure. I do like that one. He's on my list also. I think that he does a lot of the same. Like if you, if we're talking about Willie being such a great, uh, like people love Willie because he can just get up for dunks. Like he can trail a play. He can sprint down the court for a big man. He's one of the faster big men, one of the more athletic big men who can get up and finish a nasty dunk. I remember a game, um, I don't know which, I think it was the last game against the Mavericks, uh, where, yeah, the, when the King, com, Kings completed this, the season sweep in Dallas, where there was like a, a five minute stretch where it was just Collie Stein and Powell trading buckets, <laughs> like just trading dunks. And there was a very little defense being played, but, I just thought, like, this is a guy that can do all those things. He's a little bit smaller, but he's a little bit rangier. And I think the Mavericks are probably going to want to conserve as much cap space as they can to go after another big name. Yeah. I think you could you could steal him away. Were you surprised that he did not he declined his what was it ten year player ten million player option? I was a little bit. I was yeah. too. I, I was not considering him because I thought it was I was pretty certain he was going to pick that up. Yeah, same here. I think I talked with Brian from the Blue Hardwood podcast about him. He may have even discussed him with me as a Willie Cauley-Stein replacement um, now that I'm thinking about it. But yeah, I said I, I thought he would stay because he didn't get quite enough run um, it, unless, you know, except for the end of the year there where he, he got more playing time and more buckets to more shot, more, you know, he got a lot more uh, shot distribution like to his side of things and got to show off what he can do. And I felt like next season he was probably going to get to do that all season. And then he would go for the big contract, but, but yeah, here we are. I'd like to get him for a a bargain value contract. Yeah. Which interestingly, I feel like declining that option, maybe it is playing in Dallas. He wasn't getting the minutes that he wanted, but I would assume that if you're declining 10.25 million, that you're looking to get more on the market. And I'm definitely not offering him $12 million. 
No, you're right, but he could at least get more guaranteed money. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd throw, you know, I'd throw three years, $25 million at him. It's not bad. No. So then I kind of thought that they might be who you were talking about, but what do you think about the Warrior guys, both restricted, Jordan Bell and Damian Lee? Not Damian Lee. Um, Actually, I did write Damian Lee, but I was thinking it was Damian Jones. So just Jordan Bell. Jordan Bell, I had on my list as well. He is a restricted free agent, but the thing about Warriors restricted free agents is that they can't pay him. So any real offer to Jordan Bell is going to pry him away. Um, Obviously, the the Kings would have to beat out anyone else making an offer, and Bell would want to come here, but would have to want to come here. But I like it. I think that he's got a lot of tools. I prefer him to Kevon Looney um, as far as what can translate to the Kings. Um, I like him a lot. I, you know, he's really lost favor, it seems, with Steve Kerr in those lineups, but played a little bit. Um, he's, been, he's playing a little bit in the playoffs, and, you know, I don't know. I think that he's got a lot of raw tools, and I remember him playing in the California Classic and really putting a hurt on Bagley in some of Bagley's yeah. first games ever uh, in a Kings uniform. And that's the kind of fight and the kind of – a lot of these guys are going to be defensive-minded, and I think that's what you want in a smaller contract player. Yeah, so I'm curious why you like Jordan Bell better than Kevon Looney. I think that Looney – this is something that I've been debating with myself for a little while – but I think that Looney is asked to do less, and uh, he basically he's a really smart guy and he's really good at playing within himself. And I think that he's basically at his his peak. Like he can't do more than what he's doing. Um, but I think Bell often performs way below his ceiling uh, because he wants to do more. He's not. You know, it's kind of like you got you, you've got uh, Looney's like a thoroughbred, well trained and does the job, but Bell's like a wild stallion who you, it's hard to tame him. But if he ever were to be tamed, that he's got a tremendous amount of power, a tremendous amount of skill. I think that he could be something great one day. Yeah, but do you think there could ever be shooting to Jordan Bell, like three point shooting? I'd. Probably not. Probably not like on a real level. Maybe I see him as kind of a baby Draymond in a lot of ways. That's kind of what I was thinking because the dribble is there definitely compared to Looney. Well, yeah, like he could maybe have it in his arsenal, the the shot, but that it certainly wouldn't be anything that, you know, other opposing teams are afraid of. Yeah. It wouldn't be in his scouting report necessarily, but I see him as just like a really, really vicious defender. And I, I mean, He's got that sort of instinct to just. I, I see him as a pesterer. I, you know, we talked about House Bolton. I think he's a Pat Bev. Like I think he's a big Pat Bev in a lot of ways. Yeah, and he's only twenty four years old. Twenty four years old, going to be going into his third year. I think that it would be a really interesting fit. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is one hundred percent free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. 
Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Next guy I got on my list here. Getting kind of into into the bottom of the barrel, but how about Mike Muscala? Hmm. You know, I thought of him, but then I kind of came across my mind that I think he's just a little bit of a worse belly. Yeah, that's so, a fair point. Yeah, but I mean, uh, I was going to say, do you mind having two of them? But Belly's not going to be in the starting lineup anymore. And I wouldn't feel comfortable with either of them really at the three, guarding the other team's three. So, I don't know. It could be interesting. I think I wouldn't, if he's very cheap, then I'm considering it. But he's not, he doesn't catch my eye really. For sure. And I think that you would never play Belly and Muscala together. No. But I do think that having a, a backup Belly, which this team really didn't have, we didn't have a second big man that could shoot. Um, I think that he would be great as a depth play. And, and again, if we're comparing him to like Kufos, I'd rather have Muscala than Kufos. So yeah, I mean, as a guy that can be end of rotation, you know, he's, he's got a career three point percentage of 60 or sorry, 36.5. That's, that's pretty solid. And he's, yeah. he's young. He's never earned a lot of money. I don't think he's expecting any more than four or five million. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I would consider it there. Um, next one I got for you is Tyson Chandler. Very interesting. Very interesting. Tell me why you're interested in, in Chandler. I like the defense and the veteran presence, and obviously it would be in limited minutes, but it's sort of the same thought process of taking Kostakoufis' role and maybe even a few more minutes on top of that. And yeah, I mean, I hear he's a great locker room guy and would love for Bagley and Giles to learn defense from him. He's a former defensive player of the year. I think his intelligence could do a lot for these young guys, and he still can give you okay minutes. Yeah, and he's definitely getting getting older. Yeah, but if you if we could get him in near the minimum, um, or even maybe at the minimum, is what I would want. I would be uh, on board for that for sure. Yep. Now I've got. Let's see here. Um, I got a guy who I think actually isn't that much of a sleeper, but I'll just throw his name out there, James Ennis. I have that one on here too. I like it. To me, it's the practically the exact same thing as Corey Brewer, though, and. I'd rather keep the same guy around, but I don't hate, I, I'd be happy with Ennis. He's younger than Brewer, right? By a bit. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Ennis is actually going to be in really high demand um, this off season. So yeah, Ennis is turning thir- uh, 29 in just a couple mm-hmm. weeks in about a month. And then yeah, Brewer is, I think he's 31, 32. So, oh, 33. So yeah. Um, if we could upgrade to Ennis from Brewer, I do see that as an upgrade. I would do it. It would cost some money, but I also just love my man, Corey Brewer. So I'm, I'm also cool with just keeping Brewer. Yeah. What do you feel about Brewer compared to Anthony Tolliver? Uh, I prefer, oof. I think Tolliver is kind of like the Muscala conversation we had where I think he's a little bit better than Muscala, but he's kind of just another big shooter. I don't see Tolliver playing the three anymore. and um, But yeah, the more guys you can have like Belly, uh, just a, a guy that can come in and spread the, spread the floor, a big body can spread the floor, I'm, I'd am i be into it. 
Um, now here's a real curveball. Dragon Bender. <laughs> Give me all the top five picks that you have, and we'll just try it. No, I, I don't like Bender. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't No. And, you know, I feel like you were saying the name thinking that I might like him or something. Like, I feel like you have this idea that I just like terrible players. You feel attacked? Yeah, I do. I do. Can you tell? <laughs> I... no, I'm not about Bender. I mean, the spacing's okay. There's potential there, but mm-hmm. it just, the defense is horrendous. So this wasn't intended to be an attack, and he <laughs> is a terrible player. But I was just thinking about the conversation we had regarding uh, Nilakina. And feeling like Bender is kind of the same situation where he's 21, he's a former top 10 pick, um, and yeah. getting p- picking up him for nothing feels like it wouldn't be the worst flyer to take. That's that's fair. You know, if he's sitting end of the bench and we're just trying it out, I there's potential in it. You know, so I don't hate that, but I almost would rather instead of another young guy, since we're so loaded with those, that I would rather have a veteran presence almost at the end of the bench. I think I'm with you, and I think that we're developing a new trademark, the Kufos test, and it's would you rather have this player than Costa Kufos, and I'm not sure Bender passes the Kufos test. That's a good test for these guys. Yeah, I'm on board with you. Um, Next one I got for you. And this is more so on, do you think he would come back, is Rajon Rondo. Not interested. Okay. And why is that, as a backup point? Um, I think he's a bad guy. I think that the Kings don't need any more personality issues, and uh, I, don't need, I don't want someone who is throwing homosexual slurs at refs on my team. Oh, man. I haven't heard this. Yeah. 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 That was while he was a king. So, um, yeah, not interested. Interesting. Okay. That makes sense. Um, you got another guy for me? Yeah, this one's kind of weird. I kind of forgot this dude existed, uh, quite frankly. So this that's not a great sign, but <laughs> Justin Holiday. I was just going to say him next. That interests me. I mean, at one point he was 40% from deep that Memphis traded two second rounders for him thinking they were making a playoff push. I think that the spacing would be amazing and we would just have an insane amount of shooters the question for me was, would this be him being our backup forward and we still get a point? Or would you be comfortable with Bogey running that second unit in regards to handling the ball? I think that in theory, you would play Holiday at the three, even though he's he's not a three, he's, he's still a two. Um, but he's got a bigger body, a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, he certainly can't run a unit, but... To have to give Bogey or to give the second unit another shooter, I, I think there's kind of a nice fit there with Bogey. Yeah, I'm definitely interested in that. I think, like I said, the shooting would just be ridiculous. Like, just get us into top five attempts, and our percentage could still stay up there. I mean, the offense on this team could be crazy. I think that he's a real weapon from deep. Right, absolutely. And he's, I mean... I forgot about a lot of uh, really bad players, so um, I, I I think what I'm trying to say is that Holiday is like the best player I've ever forgotten yeah. existed, and it's kind of like if you you end up in Memphis at the end of the last year, it's like that he was really 
in obscurity there. And then they added a lot of different players. Uh, and the, you know, they added Bradley and they added Dylan Wright. And there was just a weird mishmash of guards yeah. that was constantly rotating through, uh, the Grizzlies starting lineup and, and their rotation. So he got lost in the mix. And depending on the way the Grizzlies are approaching next season, I'm really interested to see what happens with Holiday. He's unrestricted. And then I also had, I'm getting right now uh, to the restricted free agent section. And I also have a uh, Grizzly on that part of the list, which is Dalon Wright. That's what um, I just mentioned. Okay. Yeah, that Any one thoughts on him? Me. Yeah, I mean, I like the defensive potential from him. I think that he has high upside. I just think that he's likely out of our range. Money-wise? Yeah. Interesting. Or what I'm willing to spend. What do you think he is going to get on the market? It's it's rough. Well, to me, that I feel like Memphis is going to stick with him. And I feel like, you know, part of it maybe is that Letting go of Marcus Ole, they feel like they have to keep the guys around. Obviously, they like who they got for their franchise cornerstone. That, I don't know, because their money situation is really weird. It depends on getting rid of Conley and what they're taking back. Do you go, I would say, I could see him getting, is a three-year 15 million much? Do you say 315? Yeah, three. Well, fifteen each year, so three forty-five, like three forty. I think that's too much. I think that's way too much. Okay. Um, he's a you know he's a decent rotation player, bench guy, but in Memphis he played thirty minutes a game, almost thirty-one, and he averaged you know five assists and twelve points. It's yeah. not. It's not like he's jumping off the page, and now you're going to add John Morant. And so you'll have, unless they move Conley, I think they are going to try to move Conley, obviously, but potentially to start the season, you could have Conley, John Morant, and Javon Carter, and uh, there's a lot of other, uh, I'm trying to think of the other dude, is it not Dorsey? Maybe it was Dorsey. They've got, you know, they've just got a handful of prospects there. Dalen Wright is a decent player. I think that if they could trade him for, uh, a second or a couple seconds or let him go if the offer's too high. Um, they probably aren't going to match anything over 10 million a year. I would guess. Mm. I don't know. And he's, you know, he's a little bit older. He's 27. So it's not like he's some interesting. I thought he was younger. Yeah. He came in into the league at 23 older rookie. And oh, now okay. he's been in the league four years. Okay. Huh? Okay. So I was thinking he was a little younger and that was definitely worked into my price there. So, I mean, what would you offer him? You sound like you like him. I'm interested. I think that he could, I think he's a really sneaky sleeper for backup point guard if we miss out on yeah. Patrick Beverly. I think that he should be maybe in the next top five in consideration there. Um, and yeah, I think I would, I think I would really consider, I think I'm right, right where I had, uh, Dwight Powell with, uh, three years, 25 million. Okay. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah, I'm. Oh, I like that. That's a really good idea for that backup point guard. Um, I have a name for you that's interesting. Is Taj Gibson? It is interesting, though. I don't. I don't know that I want to bring in any 
one who is not going to space the floor and is not a center. I, I don't know that if I want to bring in a four who can't shoot. Yeah. I mean, 32% from deep. It's not, it's not good, but it's not, it's, it's capable and his corner shooting was where it was at. So I think that he's at least able to do it. And it would be interesting that I feel like he'd be defending the fives and he'd be defending the fives. It was so badly wouldn't have to do it in that way. You make an interesting point, though I will I will make a counterpoint that in his eight oh, I'm sorry in his eleven years in the NBA he's only taken a hundred and four threes. That's fair. So yeah, he he has he did hit thirty two percent last year on thirty four attempts though. Thirty four total. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he made eleven threes last year. <laughs> so I mean, it's not like. I mean, I don't know. He can shoot, I guess, but he doesn't. That's crazy. He's not great at it, that's for sure. No. Yeah. Okay. Let's see who... uh, Yeah. All right, next up on my list. So we talked about some of the Warriors guys. Um, By the way, I don't think I said anything about Jones, but I'm just not interested in Jones. Um, Okay. Damian Jones. And then what about uh, Quinn Cook? I like that one. I, but... How different do you feel he is from Yogi? Because I feel like it's fairly similar. That is interesting. A better shooter, I would say, in Quinn Cook, even though I do like Yogi's shooting, and he's younger. But it's a pretty lateral move. You're you're probably right about that. Um, Cook is a career 42% three-point shooter. On admittedly not a ton of attempts, but hey, he's attempted, you know, three times more than Taj Gibson in his career. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, he's a shooter. He's a he's a shooter. He yeah. he played over a thousand minutes this season, uh, hit over forty percent of his threes on almost three attempts a game. That's real. That's real. And I think it's better than Yogi. And Yogi, I think, is what five ten. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and Quinn is listed at 6'2", so at least there's a little more size there. Interesting. Oh, Yogi's listed at 6 foot, according to basketball reference. So in reality, Yogi's probably 5'10", and Quinn's probably 6 foot. Yeah, even. that would make sense. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, I wouldn't mind it, but, you know, I mean, I don't think that he's getting that much money. He's restricted, right? He is restricted, yeah. And I know that he's actually, like, childhood, really close friends with Kevin Durant and really close with Steph Curry and everyone on that Warriors team. Maybe he's just a friendly guy in general, but I could see the Warriors trying to keep him around. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, he, you know, you can't replace Steph, and there certainly would be better options to replace Steph when he's, you know, when he needs to take a take a seat on the bench to rest. But I think a guy with that nice of a shooting pedigree is – it feels okay to, to bring him in, and sure, you can't run the same type of offense. You can't expect him to do any of the creation stuff that Curry does. But just having a shooter, I think they find valuable. Um, and there's even a situation where the Kings could offer him a much better contract, and he's just like, nah, I'll take less to stay a warrior. So you're, you're totally right about that. That's a yeah. really good point. 
Um, but I don't know if they threw if they threw six or seven million a year at him. Um, I don't know. Maybe they could. Yeah. That, that's life changing money. It's true. It's true. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset with it in any sort of way. Um, next name I got for you is definitely more money, but I just have not seen him mentioned. Is Wesley Matthews? Yeah, um, I, I think for me, it's like the shooting guard thing where he really feels like a true shooting guard to me. Yeah, um, and we talked a lot about Bogey. My and- thought process was that Bogey can play that point in the second unit, but he can't guard the point very comfortably. I feel like, and I think that Matthews can. You're right. He's probably that's interesting. He probably has a similar fit with Bogey that Justin Holiday does that we talked about. Yeah. So I can see the same level of interest there between Holiday and, and Matthews. Who else you got? Now I got probably my favorite non Kings player in the NBA. Uh a guy called uh, a guy named Maxi Kleba. I really like this one. I think that he is Quietly, an amazing fit for the Kings. I just am very curious what the money is going to look like because yes. I know that Dallas is very high on him also. Dallas but loves I, this guy. Yeah, and I I don't blame them. I think that he's a great defender. He's a hustle guy, and he can space the floor amazingly. He's actually 27 already, which yeah, I didn't he came realize, in but, yeah. super old. But yeah, he's from the same little hometown as Dirk Nowitzki too. Oh, wow, that's crazy. It's super crazy. Um, but yeah, but yeah I, I do really like him. He's restricted. So I don't know. I think that there's like a bully ball kind of move the Kings could make here if they offer him a large amount of money. Um, it's tough with all these restricted guys because, you know, then you're waiting to hear back and um, you just, you don't, you can commit some money towards that. And then it just, you, you've got, if he, if he signs it, you're you gotta keep that space open and it can be five days yeah it's tough it's tough to count on that uh when there's guys like tobias harris and vucevic that might the kings might want to focus on offering a big amount of money to but i i don't know that the the mavericks love this guy they really want to keep him around however they also want to add a third star with Doncic and porzingis so if you put him in that position, I wonder if they would just be forced to 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 let him go. Yeah, and I think that we're kind of going to be quote unquote fighting with Dallas for the same free agents. I think that they really like Tobias Harris, and we also see Vucevic thrown in there also. And then the one that's different for them is they also look at a point guard at times like Kemba Walker. But it's going to be interesting to see where those guys go. It's going to say a lot about some of these people like Maxi Kleba or Dwight Powell. Yeah. And I could also see Kleba just being like, nah, Dirk's my guy. I'm going to play for the team Dirk played for. Yeah. Um, And then if you don't mind me jumping to my next guy, it's also a Maverick. We can keep on that same conversation. Yeah, go ahead. Dorian Finney-Smith. Interesting. There's no shooting. Um, He definitely can't space the floor. And I feel like, I guess you put him at the four. I'm not very interested. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. He's uh, 
you make you make a good point. I think he kind of can do. I, I don't know. I like him as a defensive option on the wing. I think he's yeah. got the right size to sort of fit in. Is the shooting really that, that bad? I guess it's not. What I'm pulling it up here, I definitely thought that it was worse. And I get what you're saying about the defense. I mean, I guess it's pretty similar to me mentioning Cephalosha. Man, yeah, it's not good. It's career, basically 30% on on his career, but he's kind of like a jack of all trades. Like he can, you could plug him into a lineup and he'll have like no positive nor negative effect to it. I wonder if he'll, I wonder if they'd prefer Justin Jackson to him. But you know, um, I I would I wouldn't mind having some really good defensive specialists, even if it comes at the cost of them shooting a little less. I feel like we have the shooting that I really want some defensive anchor. Yeah, I mean he's, but he's, he's not he's an not amazing defender. Yeah. He's he's good. He's a good defender. He's got you know all the advanced stuff show that he's a positive defender, but. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know why I even put him on the list now thinking about it. He's just like, he just hits like just enough to be interesting, uh, interesting on every level. He's like 26, which is like just young enough. He's a good defender. He plays an interesting position. He can shoot, but he's not great at it. There's nothing to fall in love with here, but it's just a guy. Yeah. And. You know, an interesting one, because when I was saying Cephalosha, this is the, actually the guy I was thinking, and he's not a free agent, but I know OKC is definitely looking at clear cap space, is how do you feel about Andre Roberson? Um, I don't know much about him, really. He's not a free agent, so I haven't thought about him. I think he's... He definitely is a horrific shooter, but he was not single-handedly because they have good defenders on that OKC team. He was making their defense top five. Interesting. Amazing help defender. I heard it mentioned on the Dunked On podcast, actually, when they were breaking down OKC's offseason, since they definitely need to clear some money. It's interesting. Yeah, that's what OKC likes, those guys that are just offensive zeros. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, can be part of a great defense. But he does I don't have know. that injury concern. You know, he only played 39 right. games this year. I think that's also why I'm... I'm just drawing kind of a blank with him. I know he can defend, but like I've, you know, I've never seen anything flashy enough for me to invest in him yeah. uh, and watching watching a lot of his tape or anything. He always feels like the fifth guy on the floor when he's on the floor. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the Kings need more defenders. So unfortunately, they can't make an offer and he does feel very overpaid at 11 million. Yeah. The King's Pulse podcast is now available on the app Podcoin. That is an app where you literally get paid to listen to podcasts. Our podcast is on there. There's plenty of other great content as, re- as well. How it works is for regular listening, you earn one Podcoin every 10 minutes. There's bonus podcasts as well that will include the King's Pulse podcast that you earn one and a half Podcoins for 10 minutes. And there's also streak listening where you can earn up to two or two and a half per 10 minutes and you can put those pod coins towards gift cards and other prizes as well that have a cash value. Be sure to download PodCoin and listen to our podcast and the rest of the podcasts that are on there as well. Next name I got for you, keeping with the restricted theme, is Thomas Sadoransky. 
Backup point guard from the Wizards. I had him on my list as well. I really like him. I've been, I'm going through every two weeks, I'm spending breaking down a different team this offseason, and Wizards were my start. And I have really grown on Sandoransky. I think that his splits, shooting percentages are really nice 48% from the field and 39% from deep while also 81% from the free throw line. I think that he's a really nice distributor. His passing surprised me. The defense is not quite there, though, but you're looking for a backup point guard that can distribute. I think that it's interesting. I really, really like Tomas Sadoransky. I I would deign to say I love I love Sadoransky. <laughs> he's yeah. awesome. I mean, he's, he's really, you know who, who he reminds me of on the Kings a lot is Buggy Bogdanovich. Yeah. Yeah. And that being said, I mean, we really like him. I'm fairly certain the Wizards do too. And the Wizards contract situation is really screwed where they're going to need to be bringing back some of these bird guys. It's really a choice between Bobby Portis, Sadoransky, and then Thomas Bryant. I guess that's another one we can talk of. Or all three of those guys, I guess, technically could have some sort of interest. Right. So... Let me pick you up on one thing here. You said the the Wizards like him. I'm not sure that they do. Um, I the what I've this is all secondhand and conjecture, but what I've heard is that they have a very contentious relationship because they've really kind of dicked him around and not given him the playing time that he deserves until. John Wall is hurt. And like yeah. once John Wall is hurt, then it's like, oh, okay, we're just going to lean on Sadoransky. But they don't really give him the opportunity until that happens. And it's happened a few times now. And I don't know. Uh, he's, you know, he's an older rookie. And I, I think that they like him as far as they see him as, as an asset and they'll bring him back if they can. But I also don't think that they'd be hesitant to get rid of him if they, you know, they're, they're going deep into a rebuild right now. Um, yeah. as much as they very can complicated. do. So, yeah, I don't even know what the Wizards are going to do. If they're willing to trade Otto Porter for s- table scraps. Yeah, and Kelly I don't know. Ray for an expiring contract. Yeah, yeah. So there's certain teams, there's, you know, um, I have a guy coming up here on the Bulls who it's like the Bulls, the Wizards, like I have no fucking idea really what these teams are going to do or how they value these players. So yeah. I don't know. Anyone what I've could be seen from the athletic guy Fred Katz for the Wizards was that he was saying that he, his idea is that he thinks that Sadoransky and Thomas Bryant will be the ones to say to stay and Portis will be the one to walk, which was surprising to me. I mean, that's the piece they got from Otto Porter, and he shot above 40% from deep for them, and their three-point percentage was just horrific that, I don't know, maybe they just feel like Portis will get a little more money than they want to spend. His offense, so, when they when they first got Portis on that team, he went on a crazy stretch for a little while there and obviously cooled down, but I think that Portis is a really good offensive player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know really what to make of Portis. I think that he's pretty good, but like you said, I he could leave. I know he turned down a big extension from the Bulls. Yeah. He, he was offered, I think... Uh, $50 million in guaranteed money from the Bulls, and he laughed at it, basically, and said he was going to go get more. And then um, punched Miritich in the face? That was after that, believe oh, it or okay. not. 
Yeah, and then since then he's just had a bad. I mean, apparently he's been always been had a bad attitude, but uh, he was moved on from, and I think he's going to go out into free agency hoping to get a ton of money, and I don't know if it'll happen. Yeah, and he, he's not there on the defensive end, and he doesn't set hard screens. He doesn't hustle in the way that I like. It, it's uh, he has offensive potential. He's a really good stroke, but I don't know. It's interesting. Washington's in a screwed up place. That was one of the worst trades I've ever seen, and both of them, really. The Wizards are just so lost. Yeah. I don't know what to do. They're just I feel so bad for them. But I uh I wanna pull this up. I found it on Twitter. It's a trade offer that I had sent to Bullets Forever, which is the SB Nation okay. uh for the Wizards. It's a trade offer. It was before the season. And I sent it to them, and they retweeted it, and there was a lot of interest, it seemed, from fans of uh, Sacktown Royalty and Bullets Forever. Like, it seemed for some reason that both teams almost agreed on this. Uh, obviously, that doesn't have any effect in the real world, r- real world, but tell me what you would have thought of this. Okay. Kings get Sadoransky and Ubre. Wizards get Collie Stein, Scal, and as many second-rounders as they want. I'm all for it. I mean, I, I don't care for either of those guys that are on the Kings, you know, and I think that especially Sadoransky could have an impact. And then Ubre, I guess, intrigues me in a way. I think that there's potential with him. I like his defensive intensity. And I think that obviously what he's been doing in Phoenix has been a lot of empty numbers on a bad team, but I don't feel like we're really losing anything for that. Yeah, I wish that that had happened. I felt like there was a point in time where that could have actually happened when yeah. the Wizards were trying to get rid of Oubre. Um, and before John Wall got hurt, Sadoransky meant very little to them. Um, and when there was still some promise to Kalistan and Scal on the Kings. But anyway, we're in a different time now. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting, though. Um, let me see another name I have here. I guess we're going to keep on this Wizards theme. Jabari Parker. <laughs> no interest at all. No. I'm, I'm curious, what do you think his contract looks like? Because everybody has to realize that this guy is just literally the worst, one of, if not the worst defender in the entire league. And it's so frustrating because the potential is all there. It does remind me of Collie Stein in a way, and I think that he's he's a beast on offense if he wants to be. But I, I'm very interested what his market looks like. He could probably get $25 million from the Beijing Ducks. <laughs> I was so waiting for what name you were going to say, too. I'm like, who is paying $25 million? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Dude, Chicago, you gave him a two-year $40 million, And I get the second year's a team option. He was never going to get that. But you paid $20 million to this guy? like. Yeah, I think it happened late in free agency where they're just like, we don't know what we're going to do with this $20 million. Yeah. We'll just take – I think he's also from Chicago. Is that? I believe Am so, Am I wrong yeah. about that? So that was kind of a mutual favor. Like, I don't know. We'll give you your payday. <laughs> yeah, a favor of $20 million. Dude, I uh, need some favors. Honestly, though, I, I don't know. I I think it was. I think it really was. Like, I could see it. Come play for your hometown. We're going to pay you, take care of you. Uh, and he didn't live up to that. So No. <laughs> One more guy on the Bulls that I had. Now I'm out of free agents, technical free agents. These are guys that have a contract, but it's not guaranteed. Some of them will be cut. It's hard to know who will be cut and who won't be cut, but 
it's just some guys that it's potential. There's a potential for them to become free agents. So super sleepers here. But one of them is Shaq Harrison of the Chicago Bulls. Hmm. I can see a world, and it's again, I don't know what the Bulls are doing. No one does. So there's a, definitely a world where Shaq Harrison becomes a free agent, and I would definitely pay him the minimum to – I would rather – this is the Frank Mason test. I would prefer <laughs> Shaq Harrison. Yeah, I'm definitely on board there. I like the size of Shaq Harrison better, and that's just going to keep Frank pretty much unplayable, it feels like. I I wouldn't mind it. Yeah, for a minimum, totally. I think he fits the timeline well. You don't know what he can become. And as a backup point guard, uh, I can live with that. I'm going to rattle off three more real quickly in this non-guarantee category. Travion Graham of the Nets, Derek Jones Jr. of the Heat, and Sundarius Thornwell of the Clippers. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely right in end of the bench that you're kind of just taking a chance on. You know, I think that Thornwell, how old is Thornwell? I think he was an older rookie. It's a good question. I would, I'm going to guess 24, 25. Yeah, I think you're about right there. I don't know. I think Derek Jones Jr. probably interests me the most out of those. And maybe it's just the physical tools, but I do like his his potential. Right. He's had some injury stuff, but again, the Heat have tax issues all the time, so there's a chance he gets cut. And yeah, remember he, I remember him throwing down like 10 nasty dunks at the California Classic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I took a flyer on him. Oh man. Actually, so that Bagley dunk was at the California Classic and I was lucky enough to be there. I'm pretty sure I probably said this too many times, but there were so many Derek Jones Jr. dunks. That so were many. Just absolutely ridiculous. Both Air, hands. Airplane mode. Yeah. They, it, they got me out of my seat in the golden one. I felt like I shouldn't, but it was, it's impossible not to. He's a filthy dunker. And yeah, when uh, when Winslow was out, Derek Jones stepped up for the Heat and played really well. He, I think these guys are good defenders, and I think they all could contribute. Uh, Trayvon Graham is a guy that I like his defense on the wing for the Nets. The Nets could pursue bigger names and not have room for him. Um, yeah, I really like Jones's defense, uh, and Shaq is a defensive guy as well. Thornwell, I feel like, is kind of a baby... Uh, Pat Bev in some ways. Um, he's a great, he's a grinder on defense. And then, um, yeah, one last guy on a non-guarantee. I have him separate because I can guarantee his non-guarantee won't be guaranteed. <laughs> okay. Ryan Anderson. Mm, no. I think that the defense is too horrific and we don't need the shooting enough. I could see somewhere like OKC where they're desperate for the spacing, but I don't feel like we're in that boat. So I think he's as good as Bielitsa in a lot of ways. He's the same size, same age, same skill set, mostly uh, still a great shooter. Obviously had a very bad year last year, bouncing around from Phoenix to Houston to Phoenix to Miami. Uh, didn't get basically any playing time at all. Um, but yeah, Sa- uh, Sacramento guy, born in Sacramento, high school at Oak Ridge in El Dorado High, uh, El Dorado Hills, uh, high school there. So yeah, I mean, I don't know, local guy, bring him home, probably on a minimum. I, I think that I would take a look. I think he's got, I think he's got real value space in the floor. You know, the local guy does, uh, he's good enough that the local guy, also gives me some added interest there. I guess just to kind of counter the belly thing a little bit, I feel like belly 
plays better defense than Ryan Anderson does, and that Belly is at least slightly capable of putting the ball the floor on the floor at times. Say if someone bites on a pump kick, pump fake, or he can he can drive the close out a little bit more than Ryan Anderson can. Yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that, but um, again, disregarding this year where he played basically not at all. He shot 38% from three, then 40% from three, 36 going backwards. He's had multiple years over 40%. Um, and I think really, I think that he's every bit as good as Bielitsa, but Bielitsa hasn't been exposed in the playoffs because if you go up against the Thunder or the Jazz, like um, Ryan point. Anderson had to do, yeah. I think that you get played off the floor real quick if you're Bielitsa. That's a really good point. I think that that's fair. Um, you know, I have a few more here that maybe we can just lightning round through real quick. Yeah. This one's restricted. I'm just curious what your thoughts are. Is Jeremy Lamb? Haven't thought of him very much because he's kind of an unassuming guy. I, can he play small forward or is he stuck at shooting guard? Uh, I think that he can play the small forward, but it's more ideal in the two guard. I almost get Lou Will type vibes, but of course not the same level offensive player. I think he's a he's a good player. It just for me a reason that I don't look at shooting guards closely is that buddy bogey comp, comp action there. Yeah. So then the next one I feel like fits that three a little bit more, but also is borderline shooting guard, I guess, and more money. Rodney Hood. God, I just don't like him. I don't really? know what it. I think it's still when he refused to play in that playoff game. Yeah. That's yeah. That's not a good look. And I think he's also kind of still a shooting guard. He's big enough to play small forward, so I'm not. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it, but uh, I wouldn't hate it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I think that's that. That's enough. I have some other shooting guards because I was interested on what your thoughts were of some of these guys. I feel like that I picked for shooting guard could guard the point, and then Bogey had the offensive duties of point guard. But we can leave some of those out. All right, I'm good on uh, these super sleeper free agents. Um, actually, let me ask you this. Is Aaron Baines picking up that player option? Yes. Okay, then I'm good. And and he does really like in Boston, but I do think that Baines would be Baines would be a dream center for us. Gotcha. I figured just with – I would check with you um, because of all the turmoil there. If you felt like he might bail, um, I'm looking at him for sure. Yeah, I don't blame you. I definitely am too. But I think he's there. I think that for the money and also the injuries that he had, that Baines seems to really enjoy that team. Interestingly, I mean, he just has a great character. Like at the very end of game four, we know we're out. He's still getting up and waving the towel in garbage time for So it's we it's we now, huh? We did I say that? You said Oh man. Edited <laughs> out. Oh God. Oh God. Exposed. But yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode, man. I know that we got some things from Twitter as well. There's a trend going around of give us two names and we will say who is the better player. But I think we can save that for next episode with the link that we're running out on this one. Yeah, fair enough. Right. Well, any sort of final points you want to make or anything? Is there anything that we missed out on? I am doing good. Yeah, I've... uh I think we got we dredged up some really interesting names there. Um, if you're listening to this and anyone caught your eye, uh, caught your ear, and you want to talk more about them, and we can uh, include them on 
our free agency spotlights. Once we're done with covering the Kings roster, we're going to look at free agents in depth, position by position each week, starting with, I think we're going to start with point guard or we start with center, work our way up or down either way. So yeah, let us know. Yeah. And just want to take a moment to give a thank you to John Catterson, who is supporting the podcast monthly. And this is done via the link that is in every single episode description and just a very big thank you to John Catterson, who we've talked to a couple times, gotten questions from him an active supporter of the podcast for helping us in that way. It allows us to put a lot more time and effort into these podcasts. Absolutely. Thank you, John. Uh, we have never asked for any donations on the podcast. So it was alarming to see that someone was contributing, uh, and so that is incredibly kind of you, John. Thank you, man. And, um, yeah, we, I'm not ashamed to say to anyone listening that, uh, you know, we feel we do work hard to provide a good product. And if you feel that that product is valuable to you, we would love your support. Yeah. I mean, the more time we're able to put into this, just the higher quality of content that it's going to be. And maybe regularity goes up. Who knows? But thank you again to John Catterson. And that is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. We have a guest coming on for the next episode, so stay tuned for that. And thank you for listening, everybody.